0: Good day, Relatives. This is John Lee Rucker, and you're listening to the Permajam Podcast, where we explore regenerative ways of living and how to create a healthy world for the children and for everyone in this blessed web of life. Today's episode is called Becoming a Mother, and we're gonna to talk to my partner, Camille Eroy Ravelez, about her journey to motherhood, and we'll be exploring how society can do better at supporting women on their journey to motherhood. This is something that's very important because the health of our future generations and the health of our children very much depends on the health of our mothers. Welcome to the podcast, Camille.
1: Thank you, John, and to all the listeners out there, I'm so honored to be here sharing my experience in this childbearing year and my birth story and the time afterwards in the postpartum period. And my motivation is to just really demystify birth and this initiation that women go through um, to bring life into this world.
0: We have a lot to share today, um, but we're going to just start the show the way we always do with a prayer for all the mothers. Holy Creator, we come before you at this time to pray for all the mothers of the world, all the mothers who have given birth or who will give birth or who are carrying children right now. They give a lot from their hearts, their minds, their bodies, Creator. Bless them. Bless them from the bottom of their toes to the top of their heads and all around them. Uh, Bless their womb spaces that nurture and carry those lives and and, and rejuvenate them, replenish them. Help them to have support around them from their communities and from their families. Help them to feel centered within themselves and have patience and calm and grace. And just want to say thank you to all the moms that ever nurtured life. Bless them at this time. Aho. Aho. Okay ladies and gentlemen, we're here with Camille Eroy Ravelez, she's my partner. And she's also been working with The Body for over 20 years. She has her own business, her own practice. It's called The L Trainer. It's based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, It's a holistic fitness and training, coaching business. She works with people mostly in their homes. She also has a master's in public health from Columbia University. And she integrates that with uh, medicine teachings from the Americas and Eastern Western philosophy, as well as uh, yoga practice. Thank you for being here, Camille. And we're just going to dive right in. So Camille, you've been a mom for four months now, mm-hmm. and I've been a dad for four months. So we're pretty new at this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the journey of preparing for motherhood really uh, starts even before you conceive the child. So can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. Wow. What a what a journey, and it's been many many years of um, preparing to become a mother. And I was 38 when I had Yana, and when I became pregnant with Yana, also. But um, it wasn't until I was about 35 that I decided that I was ready to become a mother. And so at 35, um, even though I didn't have a partner yet and I didn't know how it was going to happen, I, I started um, preparing myself. And many women know that when you're 35 and you come in to the medical establishment, they, they deem your pregnancy a geriatric pregnancy. Because there's a lot more risk. That's what you're told. And so, you know, with my study of the body and public health, I wanted to unpack that risk and that belief system and to find out what is true for me and for my body. And what made sense to me is that, okay, 10 years after an optimal 25 to 27 year of giving birth, I'm 10 years older. So that means I have 10 more years of aging 10 more years of exposure to pesticides and food, you know, the air not being super clean. So, all of that leads to more aging of the ov- ovaries of the womb. And so, I always believe that the body is um, regenerative. We can keep it u- youthful and healthy and radiant with our practices. And so, when I decided to become a mother, I I started cleaning it like I cleaned it with my exercise with my aerobic exercise releasing all the toxins from all the cells that you know a lot of toxins are stored in fat I started making sure that the food that I ate was the cleanest the water was was pure and doing different detoxes to clear this out too and it takes a while to feel good any anyone that's ever done a detox has experienced that you know. And then, um, energetically, I wanted to be in a very emotionally balanced, beautiful place in my life. And I did a lot of medicine work and I really believe that the medicine work, the ally of the grandmother spirit really helped me get to a a place where I was able to release a lot of different trauma, you know, inherited that, um, helped me get to a place where I felt ready um, to receive the tremendous honor of of life being grown inside me.
0: Mm-hmm. So, taking all of that into consideration, Camille, what kind of practices were you actually doing to um, help you prepare for?
1: Well, before I became pregnant, I was probably in the best shape of my life. I was very, very consistent in my asana, my physical yoga practice. And with my asana, I was really intent on having really beautiful alignment. I had worked with many, many pregnant women throughout their pregnancies and and beyond. And so I knew that when a woman became pregnant, there was a lot of extra strain on the back of the body Mm -hmm. on top of the joints getting really loose. And Mm -hmm. so before choosing to become pregnant, I wanted to make sure that my body was Really really strong so that I can stay active and stay healthy throughout the pregnancy So I did also a lot of resistance training working on the posterior chain the back of your body and Just really felt very strong in my body I also did a lot of walking and cardio exercises, which I believe is the ultimate way We clean the cells of our body. I slept a lot. (laughs) That was a really important practice because In New York City especially, the stress level can be really high being in a big overachiever environment. So finding your center and doing what you need to do in order for you to be in a place of peace. And so for me, that was sleeping eight, nine hours a night, getting my daily exercise. I had a pranayama breathwork practice. And then I also went to acupuncture, which I really believed helped me a lot. You know, with my work, it, um, a lot of times the practices we help create for people's bodies and, and, and minds and souls and spirits are like a puzzle where we take into account, like, how does everything go together for optimal flow and happiness and joy? And so pregnancy and, and my body, I didn't do anything different. I had to figure out what made sense for where I was living, what kind of work I was doing. I wanted to be able to continue to work throughout my pregnancy, so I had to be strong.
0: It uh, makes me think about how uh, they say the body is your temple, mm-hmm. right? And so when you're pregnant, your body is a temple for another life to grow mm-hmm. inside of, and you want to prepare that temple. You want it to be as clean and pure and beautiful inside so that you give the most to that child
1: yeah and it was really awesome because by doing all of these practices my life force just went up and up and i felt really good and really happy probably the best i've ever felt in my life so maybe the intention was baby but the result was happiness and high high shakti (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's why i snagged john lee rucker
0: (laughs) okay Well, you did make a really good choice there, Camille. And um, also, we just wanted to let people know that me and Camille, we consciously chose to bring Yana into this world. It was a decision that we made. And also along the lines of preparation, um, we had a sweat lodge ceremony and our elder came out and prayed for us to conceive Yana and for her to be born in a beautiful way and healthy, um, everything that she is, you know. And we conceived Jana pretty quickly, and I think that the prayers had something to do with that. And uh, I think it also helped us to just trust the process, knowing that we had made those prayers, because uh, we really believe in the power of prayer, mm-hmm. you know. And, and we had to trust throughout the whole pregnancy, you know, because um, one of the things that we experienced was, the people around you when they find out that you're pregnant you know some of the people who've been through birth themselves or have heard for some reason they love to share those traumatic stories with the new Mm -hmm. mother-to-be so tell us a little bit about that Camille
1: yeah wow that's a that's a biggie and and this is something that was really important in, in our pregnancy. I wanted this childbearing year to be a, a beautiful ceremony. We are so open to um, other people's stories and different messages and other people's fears that I really wanted to make sure I was only surrounded by positive birth stories about a woman being able to birth her child in um, a powerful way about surviving and, and exalting through this initiation of becoming a mother. So often I would tell someone I was pregnant and they would share like a, a horror story of a of, of birth gone wrong. Or, and I would just say block and I would just not let that come into my cells because I didn't want that to be my story. And one of my girlfriends who's a doula on a Bedoyan recommended was listening to podcasts on positive birth stories. And so I would go walking every day and I would, I, I, And also important to note is even though I was 38, I didn't really know that many people that were mothers or that had given birth. And so it was all new territory for me. And so everyone's what they shared with me really impacted me. And so I wanted to learn about birth from a a place of this is how I'm here. This is how John's here. This is how you listening came here. Everyone has been through this initiation of birth and i want this ceremony to be really powerful and i'm going to survive it and and be engaged and and be on top of it and so for that to happen i had to really kind of almost like isolate myself from all of the fear-mongering around pregnancy
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know because we really believe throughout this pregnancy we believe that everything that the mother was feeling everything the mother was eating everything she was thinking That is all making an imprint upon this precious life inside of her. Um, You know, it's one thing for the midwives to share the risks of giving birth. I mean, that's something that they're legally obligated to do. But when it comes to the people around you, I mean, a mother needs is just support and encouragement. You know, she needs to feel good about this this journey that she's on. So I just wanted to encourage people out there. You know, encourage these mothers that are giving birth. You know, it's going to be good.
1: And and in your first trimester of pregnancy, you're already so afraid that something might happen or that... You're not doing something right and you're having crazy hormones going through your system. And so just having John here reminding me that, no, everything's going to be great. And then having people that I turned to that were super positive and that would answer my questions, not in a false positive way, but in a realistic way. That was super important for me.
0: So you, you got an idea about uh, the, the pre-pregnancy journey, and we really want to take you all through this experience and all the lessons that we learned along the way. Mm-hmm. We could think about pregnancy as terms of trimesters, mm-hmm. first, second, and third trimester, and then even the fourth trimester, right, which <laughs> yes. is the postpartum. <laughs> Um, so, Camille, why don't you tell us about this journey of giving birth, starting with the first trimester?
1: Okay, well, for me, the first trimester was, I was fortunate in that I wasn't sick. A lot of women are sick in that first trimester because you're getting a, a lot of blood volume is added to your body. but And at the same time, like all these hormones um that are necessary to activate processes to to help grow this baby are 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 flowing through your system so there's a lot going on so for me, I wasn't sick, but I felt an immense fatigue that first trimester. It was crazy because here I'd spent years getting fit, getting healthy, and then I get pregnant, and all I want to do is lie on the couch and watch Netflix and eat pizza, and and it was really like that. And I was like, oh my god! After all my work, I'm just going to be gain like a hundred pounds by. Just sitting on the couch. But I allowed myself, and you know, everything you read, it's like, okay, this is the time to shift gears, to go from this active preconception time to honoring that life is forming within. And so I think that was the reason why I had to almost like take a first trimester long nap. <laughs> And so I'm grateful for that.
0: Well, uh, you were also uh, you were working a lot in mm-hmm. the first trimester too. Oh right? yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a time where you know the woman is still working in a lot of cases. Yeah, and
1: and I you were working a lot. I worked a lot. Yeah. I mean, I as a business owner, many women understand this. It's like we know that once um, the baby comes, things are put on hold, and so I was really concerned with doing as much work and building up my team so that when that time came, I could gracefully step aside. So all I did that first trimester was work and go home and sleep, (laughs) really. And then the other part is that a lot of people don't know you're pregnant. (laughs) And so that's really hard, too, because you're trying to stay stay there with them and you're feeling all these things. And so all you ladies out there that are recently pregnant, man, that's that's a tough time because you might not have all the support yet. (laughs) And Yana has joined us. so You might hear (laughs) some of her noises.
0: So tell us about uh, the second trimester now
1: okay well the second trimester was awesome because I felt like my energy had returned which was great and so my practices started um, getting stronger again I started my yoga practice which I stopped the entire first trimester and I had to be aware of stretching too far because you have all of this relaxing, this hormone that helps everything open up is already in your body, and so you have to be careful not to push things too far. I was also starting to experience the belly bump, and um, that was exciting to me to, to see that, oh, wow, she's actually growing. Just a, a side note, the reason why it's so important for us to continue to stay active and to, to do resistance training, I know I'm a trainer, but this is a really important message, is that for every pound that you put on, whether it's fat, muscle, or baby, you add three times the pressure to your knees and six times the pressure to your hips. And so I know by just my work with mothers, like a lot of this pressure in the hips is really what leads to a lot of pain throughout the pregnancy. So there's no avoiding gaining weight, but we can do things like things to strengthen our glutes, our back, our core during pregnancy so we don't have so much pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did a lot of foam rolling too because mm-hmm. the second trimester she really started to get a lot bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also got in shape too while you were pregnant. <laughs> yeah, We used to walk a lot together, right? Yeah. So we walk five, seven miles a day. It was yep. really nice walking with you all that Hel- time.
1: Helped even out the emotions.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, so I think that, um, you know, this would be a good time to just share about the birth plan. Mm -hmm. Somewhere, you know, in the middle of pregnancy or early on, it becomes really important Mm -hmm. to have a birth plan. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a Capricorn like Camille. (laughs) You really got to plan everything, right? So um, let's tell people about our birth plan.
1: Okay, well, before going into that, I was lucky enough that one of my best friends, Anna Bedoyan, is an amazing doula. And so... I didn't really know that much about pregnancy or birth. And in order for me to make an informed decision, i.e. birth plan, I wanted to know as much as I could about what was about to go down. And so she gave me an awesome book list, which we will include in the notes. This book, Ancient Map for a Modern Birth by by Pam England, was mm. amazing. And it went through the history of childbirthing in this country. And, and um, it was really powerful in that, this entire childbearing year is a ceremony and that Um, It helped me understand little things that were happening and and ways that we can be conscious about the decisions We make in our appointments and everything and so that book I would highly recommend it and it steered us absolutely towards the midwifery model of care And then the other book that really appealed to my yogi side was hypnobirthing I loved hypnobirthing although I did not have a hypnobirth I did not breathe Yana out as you'll hear (laughs) in our birth story But one thing that really um, struck me, and I was so lucky that I read this early on in the pregnancy, was that this author was writing about how there's um, this idea of a frightened uterus. And this goes into what, um, what I was speaking about, only wanting to hear good birth stories. And this idea is like that, you know, when you're afraid, there's a fight or flight response and and the blood is shunted to the extremities to get you the hell out of there when you're afraid. And so then the blood goes away from the uterus, which is the big uh, muscle surrounding the womb that pushes on the baby and helps open the cervix and blah, blah, blah happens in the birth and so when you're feeling fear, or things aren't balanced in the body, a lot of times the uterus doesn't feel this peaceful action of being able to contract. Maybe it's, um, it doesn't have blood there. I wanted to make sure that everything was balanced there. So I, I stayed with my breath. I stayed busting fears throughout my pregnancy. Yeah, so I I got that little bit from hypnobirthing.
0: So tell us about the birth plan now.
1: Okay, back to the birth plan. Our birth plan, well, we wanted to have Yana. I wanted to have a water birth. And we had a very tiny Brooklyn apartment. And so... I was really um, conscientious. I didn't want the neighbors to hear. <laughs> I don't know why that was so important to me, but we're going to go to Brooklyn Birthing Center where they had um, some water tubs. And we knew a few other women that had had given birth there. And so that was our plan. And we wanted it the birth to be natural. We wanted it to be peaceful, so we were gonna start out by having a birth project. Since we heard that birthing and laboring takes a really long time, so we we were just really um, focused on having things to do throughout. When the labors happened, we weren't able. You're not able to go into the birth center until you're about five centimeters dilated, which means like contractions are coming very close together um, and that was tricky for us since we lived about 40 minutes away from the birthing center.
0: Yeah I remember how stressful it was to drive to the birthing center because there was always all this traffic and we had to try to be on time to our appointment and we were always stressed out about it and then I remember you used to always say you know I'm just afraid that I'm gonna wind up having the baby in the car on the way to the birth center. Oh man. Um, so anyways you know Um, that was our plan to go to the midwife center. A lot of people use doulas for Uh their birth, right? But Mm -hmm. we didn't have a doula Mm -hmm. um, because that's just what we were feeling for this, you know, you were feeling. I'm
1: very, very energy sensitive and I, I trusted John's energy and I knew that I wanted a midwife with us to be there in in case we needed more assistance. But Mm -hmm. I, I just really wanted to birth alone.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a doula is a wonderful thing to have. It's mm-hmm. recommended in a lot of cases for women to have a doula with them to advocate for them, whether they're in a midwife center or in a hospital. A doula is just a really great thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, a lot of people becoming doulas nowadays. Yeah. Too, and really awesome re- thing. I respect that. Yeah. I um, love doulas. But we are lucky that we had Anna, who mm-hmm. is, you know, your best friend and yep. sister. And she's, mm-hmm. a, she's a doula and she gave us all that great doula training yeah. and coaching. Yeah.
1: She, she basically came to New York from Texas and gave us an entire childbirth education class and showed us different positions, how to use a rebozo, like what John needs to cook for me before and after. I mean, she got us totally set. So anyone that is interested in a doula, even if it's a distance doula, as she was for me, I would, I would look her up.
0: So we're moving into the third trimester. The belly's getting bigger. The <laughs> clock is ticking. We're getting closer to that birth labor time. What was the third trimester like for you, Camille?
1: Well, I would say the third trimester was pretty awesome. I was feeling really good. I was looking very um, radiant, which I know I'm like very vain that way, but I enjoyed my pregnant form and just wearing big skirts and, you know, showing off my belly. I was so proud of my belly and so proud of my energy, actually. So I think that a lot of the work that I was doing in the third trimester was mostly continuing to release any old fears, and I was Feeling like I was clearing out my root chakra to allow for this opening for Yana to come earthside And I was feeling a lot of fear about not having community or friends Not having money and being isolated and none of those things were true But Mm -hmm. that was the work that I felt like I was doing the third trimester So
0: we were given a due date, right? mm -hmm. Typically when you're expecting a child the doctor will give you a due date and our due date was um, August 28th. Yana wasn't born on August 28th. She came a little bit after, and I think that that can be like sort of a stressful thing for parents. Maybe they should just kind of give parents like a tentative date, like the baby can be born between this time and this time. And, you know, we were also uh, a little stressed out, too, because at the birth center, um, if your baby doesn't come before 42 weeks, then you can't go to the birth center. They have to send you to a hospital or some other way of delivering the child. Anyway, so Yana was born on September 9th. And let's, let's talk about this story <laughs> of the day that Yana was born is an amazing story. Yeah. Go ahead, Camille, you start.
1: Okay, well, I woke up on the morning of September 9th, um, 2019. It was a Monday, and it was about 9.30, 10 when I woke up, and I was noticing that there was this wave-like um, sensation in my, in my stomach, um, and I was like, oh, whoa, something is happening, something feels different, and, um, I woke up John.
0: Yeah, yeah, you woke me up and said, uh, hey, hon, think that, uh, I'm, in labor <laughs> and I said like, okay I got up out of bed.
1: Yeah but I wasn't sure because they didn't hurt and right. everything that I had read about when you're in labor you're gonna feel like you're in labor it's like you, you right. don't you're not making cookies or right. like hanging out you're feeling it so I was like hmm, maybe this is pre-labor right. and also remembering that this could last for days.
0: Right <laughs> so he said yeah I, I, I think I'm in labor uh, I think so. you know I'm having some contractions. <laughs> I said, okay, well, you know, tell me more about what you're feeling and let's go for a walk, right? So Mm -hmm. we went for a walk and, and, you know, we came back. And then I think at that point, the contractions had kind of stopped for a moment. And so you said to me like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not in labor. Maybe that was just gas or something. (laughs) Um,
1: Everything feels like gas at that point. Yeah.
0: And I and I said to you at that moment, no, Camille, I think this feels a little different. I think you're I think you're in labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pretty quickly after that, the contractions started again.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And
0: they started up. They were about I don't know ten minutes apart. I think we started timing them. Yeah. I not,
1: have a whiteboard and I started writing down when I was having contractions right. and yeah.
0: Right. And I had that app on my phone oh, to yeah. time contractions. And then so I picked up the phone and I called the birth center and I just wanted to let them know, hey, I think that the labor's starting here. We're having some contractions actions and they said to me okay you know sounds good sounds normal like Just let us know as things progress.
1: First time birth. So they said it's going to be a while. Right. And remember, you want to labor as long as you can at home because there's that risk of if we went to the birth center too soon, we wouldn't be admitted. They only have three bedrooms.
0: Right. So at that point, you know, the contractions are about 10 minutes apart. And then we also were checking in with our sister, Anna. We were letting her know, hey, I think the contractions are happening over here. And so Anna was kind of tuning in with us. And she was like, all right, guys, well, I'm here for you. And just let me know if you have any questions or if you need me at all, I'm right here for you. So, yeah, the contractions, they were about 10 minutes apart. And then pretty quickly, those contractions went from 10 minutes apart to seven minutes apart um, and then to five minutes apart real quick, like within an hour period of time.
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. Um, We just started our birth, our labor projects, and and we thought, okay, this is going to be a full day of laboring. And I also had the the feeling like you give birth at night and so i figured that we were going to be home all day and so we we were just kind of dawdling around and all of a sudden things just take a big turn for us and for me i should say because john was not laboring (laughs) even though he was there with me I remember my mom telling me that she um, took a bath, and that really helped her feel good. And so I tried to get in the bathtub, and I I couldn't even sit in the bathtub. All I could do was stand. And so because they came on so quickly, I thought in my head, oh, I'm having back labor Maybe that's why my back hurts right now. I'm having back labor. And so I was remembering this one page on how to turn a baby. And so during these waves, I'm also doing lunges and child's pose as, as much as I could, you know. Right,
0: so all that stuff. I mean, back labor is something that ideally you don't want to be having. Because uh, it, it
1: hurts really yeah, bad yeah. it, and it lasts for longer.
0: Right. So, so you were doing all these things to, you know, turn the baby around, but really what you were doing was probably helping to speed along and already quickly developing labor. It was like right around that time we were having these five-minute contractions. That which
1: should have tipped us off that things were happening really quickly, but at that point, um, I hadn't even lost my mucus plug. There was no, like, water... Or anything, it was just like really quickly the contractions were like very close to each other.
0: Yeah, it was just not our reality that this labor would be happening so quickly. We were expecting, you know, 12 hours of at least 12 more hours of this, right? So we thought we were in the beginning of stages of it, which must have been really scary for you, Camille, because um, you were in complete agony at that point and a lot of pain and thinking that you had 12 more hours of that. must Oh, yeah. Have been, you know, I know. I
1: was literally in my head right. going through every woman I'd known that had given birth. Right. And then also, like, how can I get to the hospital? I need drugs, which right. is terrible to say, but that's how how much it affected me it it was intense yeah
0: so you're thinking you have 12 more hours of this you're in the beginning stages of labor and it's just going to progressively get more and more excruciatingly painful at that point so um then your mucus plug came out and the mucus plug just for folks out there who know this there's a a plug of mucus that covers up your cervix and it protects the baby um, from any bacterias and 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 it releases um, sometimes days before the labor or sometimes you know in the middle of those contractions the mucus plug can come out which is followed usually by this thing that they call the bloody show right and so the mucus plug comes out and some blood as well and so that happened and we're still at this point where we're having contractions about five minutes Apart. So we called the birth center again at that point and we said, just wanted to let you know the mucus plug came out and we had the bloody show and. And the birth center was like, yeah, okay, sounds good, sounds normal, things are moving along, just give us a call as things progress. And our sister, Anna, was really in tune with us. She was going for a hike in the woods, and she got like a mile deep into the woods, and then she just had this feeling like, wait a minute, I need to be there for Camille because something's happening right now. And
1: I just wanted to say that it wasn't, they weren't five minutes apart at that point. Uh It was like a continuous contraction. Right. Like, cause I, I remember telling you like, you're supposed to have breaks. Right. right. Like, cause I I read that there, there could be a really intense wave, but then you have some time to recover and, and I didn't have any recovery time. So I remember like looking at John, like, help me. Like, this is intense. Like, and I'm like, there's supposed to be breaks. Yeah. I I didn't have any breaks.
0: Yeah. She's like, help me. And I'm like, okay, what, what can I do for you? And she's like, I don't know. Just help me. (laughs) yeah so again you know things are progressing really quickly for us they go from 10 minutes apart seven minutes apart five minutes apart real quick and now all of a sudden we're just having like continuous contractions so anna she's leaving the woods she's running out of the woods because she doesn't have cell phone reception so she runs a mile out of the woods until she gets to the cell phone reception and she gives me a call and she says let me talk to camille i want to hear her voice and I-
1: it's crazy she just kind of knew something was going down because this i mean again this was only maybe an hour after things started progressing for us
0: right so i put the phone next to camille and anna's you know how are you doing camille and camille starts talking and that's when anna i guess could hear in camille's voice she said get in the car right now and go to the birthing center (laughs) and we're like what Yeah, like at that point we we still
1: have no idea what was going on. We thought that labor is just gonna be really sucky
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and she's like no you're giving birth right now get in the car and go and we're like, holy crap All right, so our game plan at that point had gone out the window um, (laughs) we I went out and I got the car And I came back and I I got Camille and I had to help her down the stairs of her apartment and into the car. And at this point, Camille, you're in a lot of pain. You're screaming. And um, so we get in the car and you're like, you know, just take me to the hospital. And I'm like, are you sure? And you're like, no, no, let's just go to the birth center, right? We didn't want to. Yeah,
1: and at that point when I got in the car, like I, I think I said this, like I couldn't sit down. I couldn't lie down. I had to just be completely vertical. And so... I, kinda, I really feel for people that can't, um, can't move with labor just because it was, it was so painful for me to even bring my knees up. Right. Yeah, so I was kneeling in the back seat facing, uh, facing back. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you can imagine, you know, how much pain Camille must have been in to have wanted to go to the hospital because we were like set on going to the birth center. <laughs> Anyways, so we were like, all right, let's just go to the birth center. We started driving. Yeah. It's 3 p.m. in New York City. We hit some some traffic. Yeah. Right? So we got to about 10 minutes up the road, and we got to Lorimer Street. And on Lorimer Street, the cars were just not moving. It was a standstill, y'all. I'm serious. And here I have my partner in the backseat, and she's screaming. And, you know, I did what I guess I wasn't
1: screaming, was I?
0: You were screaming. Yeah. I
1: I, I don't remember. Okay. Well,
0: (laughs) you were screaming. Okay. Yeah. so I did what I think any man in my situation would have done. I picked up the phone and I called 911. And I said to the operator, we need a police escort to get us through this traffic. My partner is in the back seat about to give birth to a baby and we need to get to the birth center. And they said, oh, okay, we'll, we'll send an ambulance and we'll send the police. And I just said to them, please just send the police. We just really want to get through this traffic and get to the birth center. They still said,
1: intent on our water birth,
0: <laughs> they said. Well, we're going to send the paramedics anyway, just in case. Um, just wait right there; and we'll be right there. So I hung up the phone. I hear Camille in the back seat, and she says, "I feel my water sack.
1: <laughs> yeah, I literally felt it protruding out of me. It was it was the craziest feeling because about by that time, I, my water still hadn't broken. And so I was like, what is going on? I'm trying to do this breathing that Anna's still on the phone with me and she's trying to coach me.
0: So, what I heard was my water, I feel my water sack. She's coming. <laughs> and then I turn around, and literally by the time I turn my head, there was baby Yana on the seat of the car, right underneath Camille, <laughs> and me in a totally shocked state was still present enough to reach back there and pick up this little baby and hand her to her mom and she started crying right away mm-hmm. and it was just unbelievable it was it was unbelievable it was, it, wild, it was a miracle it was a miracle yeah that um you know this birth happened that way in the back seat of our Subaru <laughs> it was totally not what we expected
1: No, no, no planning could could have gotten us there. You know, no, no amount of study. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: if you remember what I said earlier, when we used to drive to the birth center for our regular visits, Camille would express that her worst fear was that she was going to give birth in the car on the way to the birth center. Yeah. And so that's another thing about fear, right? These fears have a tendency to show up in some way.
1: Or they could also be, um... The messages that were were meant to receive, because throughout um, the third trimester, I would also have dreams that I was going to give birth alone, and um, I wasn't alone. John was in the car, but I didn't give birth in a birthing center or with a mid- It wasn't a mid- midwife-assisted birth. It was an ancestor-assisted birth. <laughs> like all of this stuff was in my in my body already and even though i didn't know what was happening my body knew how to birth
0: yeah Mm -hmm. so we're there in the car baby yana's just born she's in your arms and all of a sudden these paramedics show up in their ambulance and they rush out of the back of the ambulance like a bunch of ghostbusters (laughs) and at that point i just got right there in front of them and i said hey everybody slow down you Mm -hmm. know slow down here we had the baby everything's fine please approach the vehicle calmly and gently Mm -hmm. so they came there and they they said oh how are you doing everything's okay yeah Mm -hmm. all right so then they left you alone for a few minutes and let you just sit there with yana until finally they cut the umbilical cord and put you up on the gurney stuck you in the back of the ambulance and they brought us to woodhull hospital um, which is, you know, the situation that we were really hoping to avoid, but at that point we were two blocks away from the hospital and we just all wanted to- All you
1: care about is like the health of your baby. You yeah.
0: Know? We just wanted to make sure our baby was all right, you know? Yeah. It was
1: a big, <laughs> um, grand entrance and, <laughs> and I had a full birth in that car. I birthed my placenta too. <laughs> so it was, it was a total birth right. in all the stages.
0: Water sack, baby and placenta all yeah, within a we matter were of minutes. probably never going
1: to get rid of that car. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and then we got to the hospital, and all the nurses were there in the lobby greeting us like a bunch of paparazzis, right? Like, yeah. you know, what happened? Oh my God, you gave birth in the car, and yeah, oh my gosh, the the, the hospital was a whole nother story.
1: Yeah, um, which which we won't go into. That could be that could be a different podcast. But I think that the important thing is that it, birth was very different than what we were expecting. We were counting on a very peaceful water birth and time um the the hours after birth are generally like you know where you're getting to know your baby and everything is calm and peaceful and and um ours wasn't like that we were in a basically kind of an emergency maternal ward with all the fluorescent lights and the um assistance there and just a lot of a lot of intervention and I actually tore pretty badly because the birth was so quickly so it was it was important that we were there but um, I think that that was one of the teachings Mm -hmm. of birth is that you really um, you do your best Mm -hmm. but you you can't control everything and and Mm -hmm. it's a big lesson of surrender Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and just um, trying to stay as present as possible in Mm -hmm. order to you know to to keep the prayer to keep um, keep your peace Mm -hmm. yeah Yes. And I was really grateful that you were there, John. Mm-hmm. Just like being my guardian and mm-hmm. making sure that everything that we wanted um, was in the best way we could for the scenario. And Yana was really healthy. Yeah, Yeah.
0: our baby was perfect, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, thank God for that.
1: Yeah, and thank you all for all your prayers, too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone who prayed for us, Mm -hmm. too, you know. Uh, Those prayers really worked. So that's our birth story, y'all. That's how Yana Rose was born. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, we still have more to share with you. The journey continues. Camille, I want you to share with us about um, postpartum period, which is Mm -hmm. the period of time after the baby is born. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. What's what's it been like for you? Mm-hmm. What have you learned? Mm. What are you, what have you been going through? I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not a mom, but I know from being around Camille, that being a mom is not an easy thing. The moms need support and there's a lot that you go through after your baby's born adjusting to this new life. Mm-hmm. So please tell us about what that experience was like for you.
1: I think that the the month post-birth, they call it the first 40 days or the fourth trimester, was one of the wildest times in my life. I had this brand new baby, and I didn't know her. We were first-time parents, and at the same time, your body is releasing all of the extra stuff that it has within the body during pregnancy. You don't need him anymore, and so... There's this big release of energy, of of heat, of of fluid, and sweating, crying, it's just everything. And so um, I think that what I learned having um, survived the the first 40 days is that you really have to have a network around you supporting you. This is a time for recovery, because if you don't take this time post-birth to come back to yourself you can spend your entire life trying to regain your vitality. I remember reading the book, The Fourth Trimester, and something that stuck with me is that the first five days after birth, you're in the bed. And then the second five days, you can be on the bed. And then the third five days, you can walk around the bed. And so it was really kind of a time of seclusion Mm -hmm. for us while while I was healing and while we were getting to know Yana.
0: What's happening inside a woman's body the days after the birth?
1: Well, obviously, you know, you don't have a baby inside you, and so all the organs are finding their place again. Um, you're also, there's um, a shift in hormones because your body is preparing to give milk and nourishment to the baby. So things are shifting a lot, and we're releasing also a lot of water. And so there's there's just a, a lot going on physiologically in the body, um, which makes you feel like you're nuts. <laughs> I felt nuts, and I felt like a lot of emotion, and and I think all of the, the natural drugs that I wanted to feel during birth that are released, um, I think I got them like the two weeks after birth because it was such an intense labor, and so I felt like I was really journeying. <laughs> and then the reality of like, Not even sleeping because you're afraid, you know. I mean, I was a first time mother. I was afraid that I was going to miss something or that she's going to need something. And it was just really, really intense. And I'm a first time mother and a mother that has read a lot but has never experienced motherhood. And I was pretty blown away by the intensity of having a new baby and having a recovering body and all the shifts that happen that have to happen in order for me to become a mother. And so I really appreciate that I had community around me that you know, supported me during that time, and I thought often thought about mothers who had done this by themselves, and I I just couldn't imagine it because I felt like I was struggling so much with support around me, and so I'm still in this this time. She's four months old, and I'm really just starting to regain um, my vitality now, and I'm really fired up about how do we support Our mothers how do we make space for them to find their wellness to get the energy in again and for women to continue to feel like because they have a baby doesn't mean they're not a part of society or that they don't need support and inspiration I I find not working has been hard for me because I feel like my brain isn't working (laughs) in the same way Mm -hmm. although I'm I'm really excited talking to Yana all the time Mm-hmm. So just a, a call out to all the mothers and the fathers and elders and everyone that um, we as people are really dependent on the the health and well-being of our mothers. So what can we do to help?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How can we show up and support our women?
0: You know, at Permajam, we're always... Talking about the future generations. And we also realize that the health of the mothers is foundational to the health of the future generations. So that's why we wanted to have this show today. And um, Camille, I really appreciate you sharing this beautiful, vulnerable, true story. It's an amazing story. You're an amazing mother. It's been an honor to be by your side throughout this journey. For everybody out there that's listening, I hope that you got something good from this podcast, um, some encouragement to you mothers-to-be out there. You know, it's a beautiful journey, it's a difficult journey, and it's worth every moment of it.
1: For all of you still listening, I just wanted to um, say (laughs) thank you for hanging with us. This has been such an initiation and as we we're going through these um, memories, it's it's just such a beautiful experience to, um, to be here with my daughter <laughs> the entire time also. I wanted to thank um, John sitting right here. John Lee Rucker, he's been the most amazing and supportive partner and father throughout. Um, all of you um, partners know that supporting a, a woman <laughs> who is just given birth is really really intense like we're, we're feeling a lot and so um, thank you for all the fathers and wives and extended family that shows up during this really important time in our lives and I want to thank my own mother Rosie Eroy Rice who's really just um, shown a lot of compassion to us and and, and support and This um, initiation to becoming a mother has really brought us all to the heart of being there for every mother, including our original mother, the Mother Earth. Um, May may we remember um, where life starts. Love you all and thank you for supporting me as a community, you know, and supporting all the women in your life too.
0: Uh Aho. (laughs) well it takes a village to raise a child there is no love in this world greater than the love between a mother and a child so (laughs) there was a matriarchal way and that was because the mothers were the most in tune with the needs of the children children out there and all you adults out there make your moms proud Mm. be that kind of person you know make your moms proud Mm -hmm. your moms want the best for you so i hope we're all out there making our moms proud (laughs) I want to say to my mom, I love you. I love you, Camille. All you moms out there, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. (laughs) We look forward to more of these wonderful Permajam Regenerative Culture podcasts. Thank you. Aho. Thank you. Aho.